T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Hotline on the home of the U. AM 560 and FM 96.5 HD2 WQAM. Driven by Williamson Cadillac. For value, style, and performance, visit Miami's premier luxury dealership. Click WilliamsonCadillac.com now. Here's Don Bailey Jr. and the voice of the Hurricanes, Joe Zagaki. All right, welcome back to the show. Happy to have you back. No DBJ tonight. We are with you until 8 o'clock. Thanks to Coach L, who is recruiting up in the Northeast. He joined us. De'Ara King, Hurricanes' new quarterback, joins us at 7. Quincy Roche at about 7.40. Now, if you want to follow the ACC, you want to get all the information on the ACC or college athletics in general, my recommendation at 7 o'clock in the morning is Packer and Durham on the ACC network. Or, of course, you can get them on uh, Sirius XM Radio as well. And uh, the two of them, the foremost authority on the ACC, great knowledge and great history, which I have a great amount of respect for, those that understand uh, the rich history of uh, the ACC or sports in general. And Wes had the game last night, kind enough to join us here tonight. Wes, good evening. How are you? That's very kind of you, Joe. How are you, sir? Well, I mean it because your show is very well thought out and we are in a, in a time now, uh, this is the former program director now talking, we are in a time now where we have a lot of people, a lot of people that shout. And uh, yeah. they think yeah. that shouting, shouting gets the message across. And what gets the message across on your show with uh, PAC is smart. And smart always well. wins. I appreciate it. We're having fun. It's a good time. We're trying to do as much as we can to cover everybody in the league, uh, certainly in that three-hour window, and also, you know, inject some news and things like that and have some laughs and that type deal. But it's been fun so far, and I appreciate the kind of words. And we're looking forward to uh, to bigger and better as we move into uh, the next six months of the ACC Network. The network separate uh, celebrated its uh, six-month anniversary on uh, Saturday, by the way. So. Well, now I know there's an argument about not everybody gets it, and uh, yeah, yeah, but, sure. But we're also in a, uh, a, a transition time in in television viewing habits, so mm-hmm. uh, that's that all work itself out. However, you know, I look at the network and and the stuff is good, the programming is good. You got to be proud of what uh, they're putting out. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think we've we've really done some good things. Um, we've we've done some really good stuff. The all access stuff, like with. Katie Myers team and Roy Williams, although maybe not a great year for Carolina, but 
still, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, Katie was really one of the coaches early who wanted to be involved in this process. And I think that was important to have coaches and programs that would buy in early. And it's, I know it's been tough for them because Beatrice has been on the sidelines so much and things like that. But, um, you know, it, it was important to have those type programs, you know, buy in early. And I think that the, the programming and the documentaries and those type deals have really been good for the network. I think the other thing that's going to be good, and you've seen some of it, I'm sure, and at least the interest of it is the coverage of baseball. There are going to be almost 80 games of baseball on ACC Network. So that's going to be good. Some of the championships will be shown. Um, you know, in addition to all the things you expect, I mean, you know, spring football, lead up to football, all the basketball elements, men's and women's spring sports, uh, even the other programming will develop in the off season. I'm sure those folks are excited to get some of that stuff underway as well. I think I'm just going to skip over last night's game. <laughs> I, I would understand because within, a, and you know this, within about an 11 minute span, it went from a one or two possession game to 18 points and Notre Dame who and I told you this yesterday the scary thing about Notre Dame and coach Laranaga said it too they score so quickly and when they're scoring so quickly and shooting threes Joe they're as good as anybody in the league offensively and they're a frightening team to me when it comes to Greensboro because they're the kind of team that can play on Wednesday and all of a sudden you shake your head and they're playing Friday night and that's one of those things that I think, um, you know, a lot of people have kind of forgotten when you start talking about what Mike Bray has and the firepower he puts on the floor. I mean, you saw this as well as I did last night. They had they had five three-point shooters on the floor for a, more than a third of the ball game last night. Yeah, two things. Uh, one, uh, they won six of eight, and they play a very simple style. As Coach L, uh, I've said it about 20 times in the last two days, uh, Coach mm-hmm. L talked to the team on uh, Saturday night. Guys, look, they don't turn the ball over. Why don't they turn the ball over? They make simple passes on the perimeter for three-point shots. Uh, that's yep. one. Two, you mentioned Mike Bray, and I think he, he probably goes under the radar on this. He's a hell of a story. He's been there for 20 years. Yes. All-time winningest All time. coach in Dig- Notre Dame history. Yeah. By a long shot now, by the way. It's not close anymore. Digger and- Phelps is at the game last night, but yeah. Mike Bray's been there for 20 years. Yeah, he's been there longer than Digger Phelps. Which is um, hard to believe. You know, and yeah, it is because, you know, and, and you can speak to this better than just about anybody else. Notre Dame had a nomadic basketball history for a while, right? Um, and I think the one thing, that that's one of the reasons I noted in my preparation, that's why Notre Dame was readily available to play Miami at the old uh, night convention center, I guess, in Miami, right? The first yeah. year Miami mm-hmm. brought the sport back. Notre Dame was one of the first teams to kind of give Bill Foster a little bit of scheduling credibility that year because Digger brought them to Miami to play. And then, of course, you know, they kind of uh, – I guess they were with Miami and Virginia Tech when you guys went to the Big East, right? I mean, were they in that, yeah, they sure in were. that kind of yeah. run there at the mm-hmm. time? Yeah, so I think there's some – I really do believe there's some interesting elements to it. But, yeah, he's done a phenomenal job. I mean, I remember when, you know, he went to – he was at Delaware and, um, you know, ultimately ended up going to Notre Dame when Matt Doherty, this is how you know when he got the job because Matt Doherty left Notre Dame after one year to go to Carolina. And see, people don't even think about Matt Doherty coaching at Carolina for those three years or four years now because of the success Roy Williams has had. So, yeah, he's done a really, really good job. I, I think he is, uh, 
I think he's really, really uh, consistent. They've had a couple down years, but they've also bounced back from it as well. And I, I think he's got a great program. And, you know, I equate that to really the kind of the job that Jim's done in nine years at Miami. Um, Leonard Hamilton, same way at Florida State. I, I mean, we've got to go from these guys having good teams to now understanding that they have good programs. And I think that's one of the things that has come about this year, certainly in Tallahassee, and I think Notre Dame and Coral Gables. And, you know, I, I think the other guy, the next guy on the way to doing that, Joe, to be honest with you, I think in my mind is Jeff Cable at Pittsburgh, too. I think he's getting ready to build a program. And that's, that's great for the ACC as a whole, I believe. By the way, Miami and Notre Dame are now tied 12-12 in their series. And, yeah. And yeah. One, of the, one of the first times uh, Miami played at Notre Dame, I remember I was on a puddle jumper with three Notre Dame coaches, and Miami had beat mm-hmm. them in football, and I had my championship ring on. I, would, of course, flash that puppy right smack in front of my face with Miami had handled Notre Dame that year. But Digger Phelps made it a point to take out their football frustration on the basketball team as they beat the hell out of Miami. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's an interesting dynamic. They have been a, a you know, we, we talk about, you know, obviously the football program is not in the conference, and that question comes up, and, you know, Mike got frustrated, Tallahassee made mention of it and things like that. But in, in talking with the various coaches up there, um, since Mark Packer and I started doing the radio show, you know, now a little over, it's almost two years ago, almost three years ago, I guess, good heavens, um, almost two years ago we started it. it it's um, it's readily evident that the ACC has been a tremendous fit for them. And, and Mike Bray is the first guy always to step up and talk about how important the ACC is for Notre Dame as a whole. And, and I, you know, I couldn't agree with him more. I think it's one of the things that has galvanized a little bit of the league and the basketball product got better the day Notre Dame came in, just like I thought it got better the day Miami came in as well. So. What do you uh, now? Miami was not at their best last night, but no. you, you saw them going in, leading into the game. We talked about mm-hmm. it before. They've been shorthanded. If they had one other uh, star player this year, it'd probably be a little bit different. But that being said, what do you think about their future? Well, I really like the future of the team because I was, you know, I, I thought Isaiah Wong had been tremendous, and I see he's the rookie of the week again, right? Yes, I mean, he is. He, he's he's had a really, really great run here to the tape, and I think he's going to end up being on the all-freshman team as a result, which is a great statement for Coach Laranega. I look at just the, the prospects of the team as a total, and i got to be honest with you, Joe, I'd be pretty excited next year. In fact, I was telling uh, somebody today in North Carolina, I said the thing that caught my eye last night is not only is Miami going to be good next year, get in line with everybody else that's going to be markedly better, and I think this is kind of a unique statement that a couple of years ago, you know, maybe there were six, seven teams going to the uh, going to the NCAA tournament. And there might only be five this year. Let's hope there's maybe one more. But you know, on the whole, when you have that situation develop, you end up with you know at, at some point a lot of highs and lows in terms of your overall record. Well, this year, I think the the teams that maybe have been down the last couple of years have now made that move and. We don't have anybody throwing the bagel up there in conference play like we've had a couple times here recently. And I'm, I'm encouraged by this year as a, as a season that can grow. And that, I think, could be good for the ACC next year, especially if everybody is able to come back. I understand some kids will leave early, 
But I think on the whole, you got to be excited about where the ACC is next year in basketball for sure. And I think Miami's going to be a big part of that with Long and Beverly and uh, and certainly the young people they've got in the program coming as well. Well, you know, us like everybody else, Miami's waiting on one more recruit that hopefully, mm-hmm. hopefully signs in April, which he could be a uh, a difference maker for the program. And I know a lot of people feel that way for their, for their particular teams. It's always, you know, that's – when you're not winning, you're you're shouting about uh, what you got coming in. So, uh, mm-hmm. but they've got some guys that got some really valuable playing time this year and did some damage and had some success. So, uh, when you get into buried in the bottom of this league, it can be tough to dig out. But uh, I think they got the right people to uh, find a road uh, out of it. And Miami has been in the top four. Uh, Coach Ellen and I just talked about it. in the past. Miami wasn't that long ago. Miami had the double buy three week three years ago. Miami had the double buy in the tournament. Yeah, and that's the and to me that's kind of the when you get to that area uh, as a program where you've had the double buy and maybe you've done it more than you know a couple times in a five or six year span. You're you're starting to crack that neighborhood. And I remember Tony Bennett trying to get the double buy. Now Virginia's going to. You know, looks like they're in in pretty good shape mathematically. Although they need to, you know, win a couple more for sure to uh, get out of a tiebreaker. They lose the tiebreaker, by the way, with NC State. If NC State were to pick up a couple wins, and Virginia to lose a couple, but um, you know, when you get the double buy for a couple of years in a row, it kind of shows where your your program value is. And that's what I was talking about earlier when we start talking about programs as opposed to talking about teams. I'm, I'm beginning to believe that uh, you know we got a real we got a real positive here in this league as a whole. And that's the fun thing for me is I, I look at the league now as 15 schools during the basketball season or 14 during the football. And you start to measure, you know, okay, what's it look like this year? And then what's it going to look like next year? And I, I think that, uh, you know, in particular Miami would be one of those teams that I would mark going north uh, despite the way the record has played out this year for the most part. I'm going to hit you on football in a moment. Florida State and Louisville tonight. Uh, both of them played on Saturday. Both of them had yeah. tough games. Louisville was at home against – well, Louisville was home against Carolina. I guess theoretically right. it was supposed to be a tough game. Uh, Florida mm-hmm. State was on the road. It's the, this is the fourth time, I think, that Florida State's had the Saturday-Monday turnaround. Uh, Leonard's not going to be happy about that. But uh, winner gets the division right now. Well, well maybe yeah, not Duke is right there. Duke would be uh, – Duke's 12-3, and three, so – well, the Florida State would eliminate Louisville from the regular season because okay. of the tiebreak. Right. Florida State would win any tiebreaker with Louisville. With That's right. He's tie. already beat them once, yeah. That's right. And Florida State lost to Duke. So what you have is not only three teams, but you also have the uh, multiple tiebreak scenario where if they end up all three for the regular season, then they, you know, the best record among the other two and that kind of thing. Um, look, I think Florida State, I had the game Saturday in Raleigh, and I was really, really impressed with Florida State. I, and I know you've seen them, and Miami certainly played them to the wire at, uh, at Coral Gables. I, I think they've got scores everywhere. They've got depth. Um, you know, I'm impressed. They've got kids that come off and, and play defense, and that's kind of what they do. They've got another kid, you know, Wyatt Wilkes, who comes off and he's just a catch-and-shoot three guy. And then, golly, Malik Osborne and Patrick Williams just – seem to be around the basket all the time, don't they? I mean, it's one of those guys that you just kind of keep an eye on how all this happens. And, you know, that's why I say Leonard's got a really good program. Uh, I love Trent Forrest. I think he's outstanding. I'm an MJ Walker guy too. And so, you know, they, they know how to play. And that's the thing. They've now got that depth. And I, I think they're going to be a handful tonight for Louisville. 
And then, you know, as uh, the way Duke is gone, I, I sense that Duke, you know, has their moments where they can flip the switch. Well, you know, one of those moments probably needs to be, you know, here pretty soon because they're going to have Virginia and it's, it's going to be a handful. I think you, as you know, Virginia's playing great. And that's one of the things that you kind of keep in the back of your mind. These guys did win the ring last year, you know, and I think sometimes we lose sight of that, but, uh, but the four teams at the top, I think are, are pretty much set for Greensboro. Although, as I said a moment ago, I still think Virginia's got to win a couple to, to ensure that. You know, it's funny about Florida state with Leonard. He's a defensive minded coach, but they can score, uh, score their brains out, and he's got. Yeah. But if the game gets tough and close, and it's not going his way, I think that he views the game. His his eyes watch it from the defensive standpoint. Mm-hmm. And that's, I would agree with that. That's how he makes his adjustments, and that's when they strangle the life out of you. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I think the other day, you know, like for instance, they had uh, they got into early foul trouble. And, uh, you know, and, and as a result, they, they trailed going to the locker room. And it was a very impressive half by NC State. But how'd they win the ball game? They came out and put the vice locks on them. And then the next thing you know, they're creating turnovers and second chances at the offensive end and things like that. And that's, that's one of the reasons I think they've been as successful as they have. That, their versatility, not only from a personnel standpoint, but from a game plan and strategy standpoint, Joe, I don't think you can – I don't think you can underestimate that. That's a big piece, I think, of what ultimately is their success. What is NC State? Are they the most uh, multiple <laughs> personality? I'm trying to be. Are nice you saying here. the Sybil of the ACC, Joe? Is that what you're calling? Yes. Them? Yeah. Now you load. They come out on the floor, and you go, "My God!" You watch Thunderbird, you know, slam dunk it, and you know, you right. see Markel Johnson Bates block all the Manny shots. Bates comes out there, you know. Crazy. You, yeah, you look at them in the warm warm up line. You go, my God, they they could be a football team. What what, yeah. what, what is their problem? Well, I think two things, and you're gonna you're gonna laugh when you hear this. I, the refrain of health is one thing. Seemingly, they've had a hard time getting whole as a roster, and I know you know that falls on deaf ears with teams like Miami who've been through it as well. But the reality of it is that NC State's just kind of getting around to being who they are. C.J. Bryce has been hot and cold since coming back from the four-game deal that he missed because of concussion. He took a big shot the other night, too, uh, against Florida State, but was able to stay in the ballgame. Look, I just think that that's why they're a dangerous team. Now, the problem that I I see for them in the future, and, and this is a scouting report that I read in a Seth Davis article last week in The Athletic, the scouting report from a scout and an assistant coach of another team who uh, obviously were anonymously quoted, said everybody thinks they're a really good defensive team. They just try to steal the ball. And I thought that was a very interesting statement kind of about where NC State is. I think they pressure you into a tempo. I don't think they're trying to pressure you into turnovers. They're trying to make you turn it over. They want to speed the game up, speed your thinking up. They do want to speed the game up. And, And actually, I think sometimes that plays to their detriment if they're not shooting it well. And I think the one guy, and, and maybe you can relate to this with Chris Likes, I think the one guy that makes them go night in, night out is Markel Johnson. Yeah. Okay. And, you know, I use the terminology of Markel's interested, then NC State's got a real good chance. Well, I, I think Markel was interested, obviously, against Trey Jones. I think he was interested the other day against Trent Forrest, too. But 
I just think Florida State had more weapons than NC State did at the end of the game. Well, here's where Markel gets interested in the last eight minutes of the game. Yeah, if he's not interested at the front, and, and look, I saw him a week ago Sunday night against Boston College, and they they just kind of you know went through the motions a little bit. The next thing you know, BC's talented enough, and you know this, BC's talented enough to make plays, and they've got guys who can go score it and rebound and defend, and Steph Mitchell does a lot of things for them. And next thing you know, you're in a one-possession game at the under four, and you're thinking, oh, wait a second, right? Well, and that's kind of what happened to NC State, and then they had miscues and didn't execute very well, to be honest with you. So I think that uh, I think the one thing you keep coming back to with with a team like NC State is ability. The thing I come back to when relating like NC State to a Notre Dame or to somebody like that, Joe, more often than not, Notre Dame's going to hit shots. Yeah. And you saw you and I both saw it last night. When they hit shots, they're going to be as dangerous as anybody that is in the ACC tournament in Greensboro in two weeks. I have uh, two more questions for you. One, sure. Uh, this uh, transfer rule, I was listening to uh, the, the athletic director at Texas uh, talk last night on Sirius right. Radio. Well, last night was like 3 o'clock in the morning when we got home. So I understand. I, I was l- listening to that on my way home. He says, uh, for him, wait and see on what's, where this is going to go. You think it goes through where you get the one-time transfer-only rule? Yes, absolutely. And do you think? And it, I think name, and I think name, image, and likeness is not that far behind that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do you think? I it, think this is, and, and I'll, I'll just let me interject this. I, I listened to a podcast with Thomas Mars, the attorney for some of these transfer student athletes in the last couple of years. Uh, I listened to a podcast with Thomas Mars and Stuart um, Mandela, the athletic, last week. Thomas Mars called this the civil rights movement of college athletics. <laughs> and I got to be honest with you, the more you hear him explain it, I think he's right. And I think we're on the precipice or whatever you want to call it, the edge of a new way of college athletics. And now you may have your – Blake James may come on with you and say, well, I think the transfer thing is this, and I think name, image, and likeness is that. But I think the transfer thing goes forward where we're dealing with the transfer thing in the 2021 academic year, not the 21-22 academic year, which I think the NCAA was hoping. And John Swafford said something on our show last week that I thought was very interesting. He said the NCAA has become a reactionary organization. And I can't argue with that. I, I think he's, I think that's a very, very well-said statement by the commissioner about where we are right now. In terms of the ACC and the Big Ten and some of these other leagues and the governing organization, I always thought the NCAA was supposed to work for the leagues, right? Well, it's interesting, you know. And, and Joe, I think probably years ago it did, but you and I both know, and I think we've talked about it before, the organization as a whole is antiquated. Yeah, well. And I think the the workforce in Indianapolis right now, the workforce itself, I, I don't think it's big enough uh, to handle all the demand of what these transfers are especially when it comes to the waivers. The waivers themselves are too inconsistent. That's why we've got this one-time transfer. Oh, yeah, because they're they're so inconsistent. Then you go, oh, look, we got screwed. So-and-so got uh, their player eligible. We didn't get our player eligible. It doesn't make any sense. That's it. And that's that's the easy thing to do is is that, you know, Thomas Morris cited in this podcast with uh, Stuart Mandel um, that you could – 
you know, you could probably go through this process and there'll be paperwork and paperwork and paperwork. And some of these kids won't get approved one way or the other because they just simply can't get to the paperwork. So if you give it a one-time, you know, no questions asked transfer, you know, it certainly takes the workload off. But here again, like the transfer portal, does the NCAA understand the ramifications of it? That's what I would question going in the front door of this thing right now. Does the NCAA understand the ramifications of what that one-time, no-questions-asked transfer would be because they did not understand the ramifications of the transfer portal when they set that We start spring football on Monday, and uh, the key story here is going to be the the quarterback, and it's going to go until April. Uh, There's going to be the quarterback and the new offense. Uh, You and I talked about – uh, Coach Lashley mm-hmm. yesterday, you like him a lot. What do you think uh, he's going to bring to Miami? And, and give me one other or two other uh, key stories around the league when spring opens up uh, around the, the league elsewhere. Well, I think Miami will be the focal point. I think that's the number one of the teams that you know are kind of the unknown beyond Clemson. Uh, Miami will be the number one storyline because of the way the season finished and Andy Eric King's arrival and uh, – uh, Roche as well, for that matter. And then the arrival of Rhett Lashley on the offensive side. I am a big fan. I think he's the kind of guy that can, you know, do a lot of things, especially for King, that put him in a position to be effective and also help Miami uh, take a, a step and potentially a big step offensively. Uh, I think one of the other stories is going to be uh, Mike Norvell at Florida State, obviously, what has happened there the last couple of years and what that means now going forward. And then the um, – the other question will be, and you're going to love this because this relates back to Miami, what's that coastal division look like, Joe? <laughs> what, what, do we, what do we know in the coastal coming out of spring ball, and what does it mean? Yeah. And that's a scary damn thought right now, to be honest with you. Yeah, well, Carolina's got a quarterback. We know that. He might be the best quarterback. Well, they got all the league, the huh? sk- and they got all the skill of guys back too, Joe. Yeah, great. Well... <laughs> <laughs> I think we had Carolina here. You want to hear that? Yeah. Well, you've been very generous with your time. I appreciate it very much. Say, say hey to Pack, and uh, I know right. he, I know he's not a beach guy, but listen, you guys, anytime you want to come down to the beach, let me know. Well, I will, and uh, look forward to seeing you in Greensboro. It's always great to visit with you guys. All right, appreciate it, Wes. Thank you. You bet. All right, that's uh, West Durham joining us from the ACC Network uh, Packer and Durham Show uh, on television every morning on the ACC Network and also on. Uh, Sirius XM Radio. When we come back, De'Ara King will be joining us as we uh, move our attention a little bit to University of Miami football. A week from today, spring football starts. We'll hear from De'Ara King when we come back. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 